the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. It's past 10 o'clock on this Tuesday, the 16th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2019. These are people that, in my opinion, hate our country. Now, you can say what you want, but get a list of all of the statements they've made. And all I'm saying that if they're not happy here, they can leave. They can leave. And you know what? I'm, I'm sure that there'll be many people that won't miss them. <laughs> he played them Again, like a grand piano. All right, I've been telling you all morning long we had him. Let's listen to him now. If you've heard Kurt on this program before or in his uh, fill-in gigs for Hugh Hewitt or anywhere else, you know his style. You know this is going to be fun. Uh, Responding to Trump v. the Suicide Squad, also known as the Jihad Squad, senior town hall columnist Kurt Schlichter on AM 1420, The Answer. Kurt, good morning, my friend. How are you? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm all right, brother. I, uh, I I just have been, you know, I read you, but it doesn't have the same impact as listening to you. I read your work on Town Hall, and I encourage all of our listeners to as well. But I needed to hear your voice after that press conference yesterday with uh, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, Jihad Omar, uh, Sharia Tlaib, and Ayanna Presley was one of the worst episodes of political theater I have ever seen, and now they're going to double down on it by having a vote in Congress to condemn the president's tweets. Kurt, take it. Kurt, your phone's breaking up. We can't hear, brother. Try try that again. Yeah, your phone's cracking up on us. Try that again. Hold on. How about now? That sounds all right. I'm in the house. Yeah, you're in the house. Just uh, leave it to the stupid, weak Republicans to go along with this charade. I was just reading the Joni way and what she is. The, the bomb. Yeah, hey, hey, Kurt, 
Kurt, let me crackle Kurt, let me pop. stop you because you're still you're still snap crackle pop. Uh, uh, so let me see if we can get you on a better connection here. Let me put you on hold to talk to Derek for a second here, and uh, we'll see if he can uh, work this out with you. Kurt Schlichter is our guest. Believe me, when Kurt speaks, you want to hear him. You don't want to hear just part of what he had to say uh, because he pulls no punches. And by the way, you should, uh, what I said to him, I really meant. Uh, I do read his work at townhall.com, and I encourage you to as well. He is um, uh, he's he's one of the best commentators they have going. Uh, and Town Hall is a fantastic vehicle of the Salem uh, media uh, properties. But you got to read uh, Kurt Schlichter. He has great takes on this and everything else at uh, townhall.com. Senior columnist there. He's also a, or a uh, Los Angeles-based attorney, and he's a retired colonel in the United States Army as well. So he's really got a lot going. And uh, we'll make that connection with him and try to uh, get him back on the air as soon as humanly possible. But uh, to, to the point, uh, you know, about... about um, what the president is calling for here. The president is calling for someone to compile a list to provide context. Why did he say the things that he said about the four uh, Nimrods, the uh, big mouths with the low IQs? Why did he say what he had to say? And he said, go take a look at all of the things that they have said about me, about our Border Patrol guards, about our country. Uh, listen to them all. And it doesn't sound like they are very proud to be Americans, let alone American representatives in Congress. All right, I'm told we have Kurt back now kurt are you there i am back wow that's the nsa will not stop me from speaking <laughs> hard truths all right my friend pick that up from the beginning take it from the top go ahead um the uh, uh the four america hating communists are garbage people and i don't care what the president says about them i'm just disgusted at these soft republicans who still haven't learned not to play the liberal game oh it's racist it's racist it's not racist shut up Jeez, what is wrong with these people? Why are they so weak and stupid? Who is there, Who exactly is the constituency for Joni Ernst who's saying, I'm a Republican, but gosh, I think it's just terrible to call these America-hating garbage people America-hating garbage people. The context that the president is talking about is so key. And I was, somebody, a previous caller, Kurt, told me to check out Elizabeth Harrington. She's, uh, a, a assistant spokesman or somebody with the RNC, national spokesman for the RNC. And she did what the president asked for. And that is get us a list of all of the anti-American, pro-Al-Qaeda, anti-Israel, pro-Iran. And I mean, all of the, all of the things that the president is talking about. There's a great tweet, tw- Twitter thread about this. And I got to tell you, just getting halfway through it, I mean, it makes you sick to your stomach to realize these people were voted by constituents to represent them in the United States Congress, and they hate this country. Well, well, they're the leaders of the Democrat Party. Everything they say, the Democrat Party agrees with. None of it's controversial to the Democrats. They hate America. They hate Americans. I mean, it's indisputable. And I don't care if the president says, go home. I don't care at all. Because it's nonsense. And the idea that, that Donald Trump is some sort of seething white nationalist is so stupid. You've got to either be a, a mind-numbing moron or just an outright liar to buy into it and start spewing that. It's just stupid. So I, I think this is typical of weak-willed establishment Republicans who see the usual lie you're racist, and it is a lie. And and, and they run in fear and say, say no, nah, we're not going to play your game. We're not going to allow you to shift 
the view away from the anti-Semitic, anti-American, uh, anti-capitalist, anti-freedom agenda of these four clowns who are, in fact, the heart and soul of the Democrat Party. What I want to know, Kurt, uh, about uh, you know the, that fact that they have become literally the face, the heart, the soul of the Democrat Party, and I totally agree with you, is how the old guard can let this happen, considering the fact that these numbers are are out there for public consumption. Because they're Axios idiots. Report, hold, on, hold on, let me give you the numbers. Ocasio-Cortez... Ocasio-Cortez was recognized by 74% of voters in the most recent uh, um, Democratic poll of swing state districts, swing districts. This was from this uh, this past Sunday, okay? She was recognized by 74% of the voters. Only 22% had a favorable view of her. Ilhan Omar was recognized by 53% of the voters. Only 9% of them had a favorable view. Socialism was viewed favorably, favorably by only 18% of the voters in these swing districts. Kurt, these women are extraordinarily unpopular, and the Dems have allowed them to take over. How and why would they do such a thing? Well, look, the Dems agree with them. These aren't, these aren't outlier views. This is what the Democrat Party is about. The, the real concern is the uh, uh, alleged GOP members who are playing along with this scam. You know, of course, Mitt Romney had to weigh in, but Mitt's, you know, a loser and weak. Um, but I'm, I'm just disappointed to see people like Rob Portman playing along with this, Joni Ernst, Pat Toomey. Do they think that if they're submissive enough, if they if they abase themselves enough, the liberals are going to suddenly like them? And do yes. they really think that Donald Trump's some sort of secret Klansman? You know, no, they, they, I don't think they believe that, Kurt. I don't think they believe that, but I think they, are they should the shut approval. up and stop joining in the lie. For God's sake, if the last four years haven't taught us anything. It's, it, 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 it taught us one thing. It's to stand up to the lies. Stand up to the liberal agenda. They're reading the Washington Post going, oh my gosh, everybody thinks that way. And no one thinks that way. You get outside of the beltway and you see somebody who America rescued as an act of grace from the hellhole that is Somalia. She comes here and trashes the country nonstop. And, and right. the natural Every response step. is, get out! If you don't like it, go back! That is a natural, valid response. Uh, listen, I don't disagree with the word of that. Did he make an error, though, when he, of course, said to the four of them, go back to the country you oh, come from? Oh, who cares? No, really, who cares? Here. Who cares? Why is that? I mean, oh, some sort of... You know, indicator that he's secretly going to go out and burn a cross. You know, the only organized racist group in America of any significance isn't, the, isn't those mouth-breathing morons with pointy caps walking around with tiki torches. It's the Democrat Party that makes race and racial hate and conflict the heart and soul of it. Every one of those, those women is a racial hustler. And a bigot. Every single one of them. The bigotry is where I wanted to go next, Kurt. Kurt Schlichter, senior columnist, townhall.com. And again, you hear him as a fill-in host for Hugh Hewitt and uh, others here on uh, Salem Radio Network, as I do from time to time as well. 
Kurt, um, I want to talk about the bigotry, and I want to talk about the race card, and I want to talk about the racial um, uh, race as a political tool, because it's not just Donald Trump that they're calling racist. What AOC and the other three members of the Jihad Squad have done here is they have have adopted the Barack Obama um, uh, idea of using skin color as, uh, using his skin literally as a suit of armor. It deflects the arrows of criticism that are fired at them. If you criticize AOC, you're a racist. If you criticize Ilhan Omar, you're a racist. And and we know that it's not just Trump because they did it to Nancy Pelosi when Nancy Pelosi well, did yeah, yeah. them out for because their vote they're against liars. the one day. And that's why it's so important to reject their lies and to call it out, which the president has done. But, you know, again, weak Republicans who, whoa, someone's calling us racist. They're always going to. There yes, is no way you can humiliate yourself enough to satisfy them. So stop. Why, why are so, people playing this game? It, 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 it's baloney. And, you know, and you should call them out all the time. Do you think... These people hate every one of you who's listening to this radio station. Every yes, single one of you, they hate. And they want you silenced and out of power so that you can't govern yourself. Well, that's why the president fought back, because, you know, what? I, I exactly. pointed this out, and I'm sure you have as well. It's not just the president that they call Hitler. It's not just the president that they call racist, homophobic, Islamophobic, blah, 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 and all the other bigoted things. They say that about all of his supporters. So when they when they yes. slander him in such ways, they're slandering me, they're slandering you. Yes. And that's why, to me, somebody firing back with a little bit of gusto isn't going to upset me. It's about time somebody does. And if it's the well, leader of the free what, world, then that's who it's got to be. What upsets me is weak Republicans who still refuse to accept the fact that their friends across the aisle hate their guts, that the Washington Post is going to stick them in the back the minute it becomes convenient. You know, they, they I truly mean, you, do you not want bipartisanship. Deal, they, yeah, they don't want bipartisanship. They want to work with us. They want to wipe us out. They, they exactly. Do. They want to get so rid of all of us. don't play along with them. Do you think it's racist, Senator Hackenstack? No, <laughs> I don't. Go pound sand. There's your response. But 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 the thing is, Kurt, and you know this as well as I do, in this day, and I think really because of the age of Obama, who the moment he took over, uh, stoked the, 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 the fires of, 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 of racism and of racial inequity and so on and so forth more than anybody else ever has. Oh, they've done of the racialized society. Hold on, hold on. Let me ask the question. I, that's the worst thing that you can be accused of today is being a racist. So you had all of these de- Republican members of Congress and Republican prominent people saying, well, well, if, if so many more people are saying this is racist and I don't go along with it, I'm going to be lumped in with Trump as a racist, so I better say something that condemns it. That's the thing. They're scared of being called racist in this, this well, hyper-racialized society. And, of course, they are. Now, you remember John McCain was, and Mitt Romney was, and George Bush was. I mean, it, 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 if, you, if you aren't, how, how literally, how can you be more submissive to the leftist elite than George Bush, John McCain, or Mitt Romney? And it didn't help them. No, no. It didn't help them. No, you're you're right. always it, it, going it to be called a racist, and it's always going to be a lie. But they're always going to fight. They're always going to fight to try to not have that label because, again, uh, the, the political yeah, Maybe they should fight the enemy for once. 
you know, maybe we'd have a President Romney if he had shown a little guts. Instead, he gets rolled by Candy Crowley in front of, uh, you know, 60 million people because he's weak and he's soft. Good times. And we need to stop letting that be the default mode for these Republican wimps. It's well, Kurt, all a Kurt Schlichter, I think, yeah, I think the president, I think the president is inspiring people to do exactly that—to fight fire with fire and to call them out. And I know you're going to keep uh, repeating that as well. Keep up the great work at Townhall.com, my friend. We'll catch up again soon. Thanks. Talk to you Thank soon. you, Kurt. Kurt Schlichter, senior columnist at Townhall.com. We went a little long because his phone went out on us, uh, so let's catch up now, right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Ten twenty-eight. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Let me get a couple of calls in here after Kurt Schlichter. Uh, Jerry in Brexville. Thanks for your patience, Jerry. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, Bob, I wanted to comment on this nefarious squad. I mean, I think it's proof that they wouldn't be happy anywhere they went. They came here because they weren't happy somewhere. So now they're here and they're not happy here. And one other thing I have, Bob, uh, is the white people. Uh, it seemed like... Uh, we're at war with each other. It seems like these white people in Congress badmouth other white people and we're racist and all this guy. If we don't get together, like Rush Limbaugh said the other day in his program, this country's going to be in one heck of a, a situation. Maybe not in our era, but coming it's coming well yeah because of the hyper racialized society that we just talked about with Kurt and you're right Jerry thanks for the call because of that yes a lot of white people are afraid of being called racist by people of color so they condemn other white people saying there must be they must be racist but not me that guy might be might be racist but i don't agree with that and it's just so much garbage because the racism calls in the first place are 99% of the time bogus they're, they're faulty. They're flawed. They're not accurate. President Trump telling women who hate the United States and endorse a socialist model, a Green New Deal, the turning upside down of this country's principles, erasing its liberty, erasing its alliances with, uh, with uh, uh, nations like Israel, for them to come in here and just badmouth and bash everything good about this country, for the president to call them out on it and say, if you don't like it, leave... That's not racism. That's patriotism. Some might call it nativism. I call it America firstism. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. It is certainly not racism, and it is certainly not inaccurate. The only one providing context here are the conservatives who are defending the president. The only ones out of context here are the ones who are out of context here trying to make this all about the color of the four women or their ethnicity, the mainstream media, the Democratic Congress, and the usual suspects in the DNC. That is what we are up against. Trying to limit or minimize any criticism of people of color in their party by saying it's racist to criticize them. I'll say it again. All isms are not the same. Criticism does not equal racism. Back after this. So I was just looking over the um, 
poll numbers that I was sharing with Kurt Schlichter in my com- conversation with him last half hour. You know, and, and it just, it, it kind of, it, it's so bizarre because we're in this weird place where we want to, to hear less from Damasio Cortez and Jihad Omar and, uh, and, uh, Sharia Talib because it's just so much tripe and so much garbage that they're spewing and we just want them to shut up and, 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 you know, stand aside and stop embarrassing themselves and our country and so on and so forth. But the flip side is let them talk. Let them rant and rave with their anti-American, anti-Israel, anti-Semitic tropes. Let them continue to condemn and criticize all that is good about the greatest country in the history of human civilization. Because people are listening. And people hate them. You know, the mistake that they make, the mistake that these four uh, suicide squad members or jihad squad members make is that they think Twitter is representative of the country. They think Twitter, if Twitter likes it, if Twitter is popular, if I get tens of thousands of retweets, then we're winning because that's the country. What they don't realize is Twitter is a small, little, dark, dark, dank, disgusting, decrepit space comparable to a sewer. I think Tucker used that word last night. It is, it is a very tiny microcosm, a very tiny portion of this great electorate. Because, electorate, because do you know how many Americans use Twitter? A fraction compared to the number of Americans who don't. So they think they can run and establish their policies by Twitter and think that that's going to make them popular. Guess what? People hate them. The survey I was talking about, this is a new internal Democratic poll in swing districts released on Sunday. It showed that socialist representatives, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez and, and Jihad Omar, are extraordinarily unpopular, and they may cost the Democrat Party the presidency and the House in 2020. Damasio-Cortez was recognized by 74% of the voters in the poll. That's a big number. How many of the 74% of the voters who recognized her liked her? Just 22%. Uh, Jihad Omar, the Al-Qaeda-loving, Israel-hating freshman representative from the Islamic Caliphate of Minnesota, she was recognized by 53% of the voters in swing districts. 9% of them liked her. (laughs) socialism, which is advanced by these women in the form of the Green New Deal and more, is viewed favorable by just 18% of the voters in those swing districts, unfavorable by 69%. Capitalism in the same swing districts, 56% favorable, 32% unfavorable. You understand this? These are the leaders of the Democrat Party. These freshmen, nimrods, bubbleheads, who honestly, I swear to you, could not make a rum and coke if you gave them the rum, are running the show. And yes, that's a bartender reference, AOC. Get back to it. They, they're running the show. They're six months in, and they are leading the party, and people hate them. That is such good news. 
A top Democrat involved in the 2020 congressional race has told Axios, if all voters hear about is AOC, it will put the House majority at risk. She is getting all the news and defining everyone else's races. races. And socialism is toxic to these voters. Those polls match numerous other polls that have been taken on Ocasio, or I'm sorry, Damasio, Cortez, and socialism. In June, another one from inside her district found they don't like her. She has a more than two-to-one ratio of unfavorable, 50% unfavorable to 21% favorable in public opinion. And this is inside her district. They also don't trust her. Only 10.75% thought she had their best interest in mind. Uh, For example, when she quashed the Amazon deal, 32% said she didn't. 33% say they are ready to vote against her. Only 13% would vote for her again. She could be a one-hit wonder and the Democrat Party is selling their souls to her. I find that absolutely hilarious. Uh, TJ in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. TJ, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, I remember when Bush was running, and all these libtards in Hollywood and uh, entertainment industry uh, promised to leave the country if he got elected, but they didn't go. Yeah. Then when Trump got elected, same thing, they promised to go, and they didn't go. Seems to me like the only way you can get these libtards to leave the country is if you reinstate the military draft. Then you'll hear this huge sucking sound at the <laughs> Canadian border. You know. But you know, going back to this Cortez and her pack, you know, these women they hate whites, they hate Jewish, they hate America. It's almost like the children of the corn have taken over, you know, the country. I don't know if you remember that movie. I do. Yes I do. Yeah. But, I mean, this, this, this seems like, you know, but I would like to say one thing, Bob. Let's say a yeah. little prayer for a mutual friend of ours, Jim from West Park. I think he's going to Roswell to be part of that invasion on Area 51, and I hope oh, he's safe. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> Bob, hope. I'm only kidding. I'm oh, only okay. kidding. Oh, you good. Know. You freaked me out I had there. to take a shot at my Oh, buddy. you, you <laughs> did. Jim, that was from TJ, not me. I was worried about you, buddy. <laughs> TJ, thanks for the call. Yeah, can you believe that? And by the way, I cannot believe that they're they're really going to put this to the test. You know what's going to happen? For those who don't know what Jim's uh, or what TJ was just talking about, there's roughly a hundred thousand people have uh, joined forces and committed to rushing Roswell, New Mexico, Area 51, which of course has long been the subject of rumors of this is where they keep the space aliens, this is where they keep the existence of UFOs and secret ships, um, uh, you know, covered and so on and so forth. And uh, some 100,000 people are basically threatening to go to Roswell and rush it and break through the gates and go in there and see what's inside. And the government has said we will defend the the facility, and that means. What are they? What are we going to do? Are we going to force our, our our military to open fire on all of these people? Russia, I, you know, I don't want to do the conspiracy thing, but I'm just going to say it. Um, they'll blame it on Trump if people rush the area one area fifty one facility and they are fired upon in order to defend it because it is indeed a military government installation. If they are fired on, they will blame Trump and say Trump had the military shoot American citizens. So I hope this whole thing is just a bunch of talk and nobody actually goes through uh, with it because that's uh, that's that's a very dangerous thing, and I can already see how what the end game would be. I want to go back to something, if I can, for a moment. A previous caller brought up uh, a piece by I am Hirsi Ali 
uh, for the Wall Street Journal talking about the origin of Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Jihad Omar is the uh, freshman from the Islamic Caliphate of Minnesota that uh, that is was clearly the, the top target of President Trump when he said, why don't you go back to the country you came from, fix that one first, then come here and try to tell us how to run this one. Uh, because she's the one from Somalia. She's the one from outside of the, you know, the United States. Um, so that's who the president was targeting first and foremost. And she might be more dangerous, quite frankly, than even Damasio Cortez is among the four Suicide Squad members. Um, because of her upbringing, because of how she was raised to hate America, to hate Jews, to hate uh, Israel. And she brought that with her, even though she came to this country to essentially escape um, the government and the conditions in her native Somalia. Um, and I'm going to read just a little bit of this. Somebody brought this up to me, and I read this during the uh, news break. And I'm going to read a little bit of it to you. Uh, this is, again, Ian Hirsi Ali at the Wall Street Journal. Quote, I was born in Somalia and grew up amid pervasive Muslim anti-Semitism. Hate is hard to unlearn without coming to terms with how you learned it. I once opened a speech by confessing to a crowd of Jews that I used to hate them. It was 2006, and I was a young native of Somalia who had been elected to Dutch Parliament. The American Jewish Committee was giving me its Moral Courage Award. I felt honored and humbled, but a little dishonest if I didn't own up to my anti-Semitic past. So I told them how I'd learned to blame Jews for everything. Fast forward to 2019. A freshman congresswoman from Minnesota has been infuriating the Jewish community and discomfitting the Democratic leadership uh, with her expressions of anti-Semitism. Like me, Ilhan Omar was born in Somalia and exposed at an early age to Muslim anti-Semitism. Some of the members of my 2006 AJC audience have asked me to explain and respond to Ms. Omar's comments, including her equivocal apologies. The main question is whether it is possible for Ms. Omar to unlearn her evident hatred of Jews, and if so, how to help. In my experience, it is difficult and perhaps impossible to unlearn hate without coming to terms with how you learned to hate. Most Americans are familiar with classic Western flavors of anti-Semitism, the Christian, European, white supremacist, and communist types. But little attention has been paid to the special case of Muslim anti-Semitism. And that's a pity because today it is anti-Semitism's most zealous, most potent, and most underestimated form. I never heard the term anti-Semitism until I moved to the Netherlands in my 20s, but I had first-hand familiarity with its Muslim variety. As a child in Somalia, I was a passive consumer of anti-Semitism. Things would break, conflicts would rise, shortages would occur, and adults would blame it all on the Jews. When I was a little girl, my mom often lost her temper with my brother, and uh, excuse me, with my brother, with the grocer or with a neighbor. She would scream or curse under her breath, Yahud, followed by a description of hostility, ignominy, and despicable behavior of the subject of her wrath. It wasn't just my mother. Grown-ups around me would also exclaim, Yahud the way Americans use the F-word. I was made to understand that Jews, Yahud, were all bad. No one took any trouble to build a rational framework around the idea, hardly necessary since there were no Jews around, but it set the necessary foundation for the next phase of my development. At 15, I became an Islamist by joining the Muslim Brotherhood. I began attending religious and civil society events where I received an education in the depth and breadth of Jewish villainy. This was done in two ways. The first was theological. We were taught that Jews betrayed our prophet Muhammad. We were taught to pray, Dear God, please destroy the Jews, the Zionists, the state of Israel. Amen. That combination of narratives is the essence of Muslim anti-Semitism. 
European anti-Semitism is also a mixture. I'm going to pause here. What Ayan Hirsi Ali is saying, she's, she's, her, her experience is identical to Ilhad Omar's, or Jihad Omar, Jihad Omar, as I call it, is identical in terms of how they were indoctrinated as youths. And the message is that she was able to block out and overcome, Ali, that is, was able to overcome. Omar has not. And in fact, still supports the Muslim Brotherhood. This is the essence of the problem. While some people like Ali were uh, were unable to, un- or excuse me, were able to unlearn her anti-Semitic teachings and to to get away from the obvious dangers of the Muslim Brotherhood and their goal of wiping out Israel and wiping out Jews and establishing essentially, you know, Sharia law and Islam as the one true religion of the entire world. While she was able to unlearn that by recognizing it, Omar has never even attempted, and she's in the Congress. How? Why? Because of what is being allowed in this country now with respect to um, uh, immigration. Somali immigration is concentrated largely in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Massive populations of Somali immigrants there so that they can become a massive voting block and get people like one of their own, um, uh, Jihad Omar, elected to Congress. And then you get Tlaib from the uh, Dearbornistan region of, of, uh, of Michigan, and they, they, these people are starting to grow their power in the Congress. It's one thing to have a bunch of Somali-raised, indoctrinated Jew and America haters still in Somalia. It's another thing for them to come to the United States and bring that that message of, of anti-Semitism and anti-American hate with them and to give them power. And that's the real spotlight that, that Ali is shining here. Medieval Christian antipathy toward Christ killers blended with radical critiques of capitalism in 19th century and the racial pseudoscience in the 20th. But before the Depression, anti-Semitic parties were not mass parties, nor have they been since World War II. Muslim anti-Semitism has a broader base, however, and its propagators have had the time and the resources to spread it wildly. Most men and the odd woman in power in Muslim-majority countries are autocrats. Even when there are elections, corrupt rulers play an intricate game to stay in power. Their signature move is to pro- the promise to, quote, free the Holy Land. That is to eliminate the Jewish state. The rulers of Iran, for example, are explicit in this goal. Media play their part. There are, there are mosques, madrasas, and other religious institutions, schools, refugee camps, or another zone of indoctrination. All of the stuff that Ayan Hirsi Ali is pointing to, talking about this is all what was poured into uh, Ilhad Omar's mind as a very young girl, and she has only grown to, to, um, uh, to believe in it more strongly and to spread it and to share it with others. That's why she laughs. That's why she laughs when asked about 9-11, and that's why she talks about uh, taking a deep breath of pride when she thinks of Al-Qaeda. These are calming influence, I think is what she said, when she thinks of Al-Qaeda. And that's what nobody wants to talk about. And it took uh, 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 Ms. Ali uh, the, the, you know, to, to write this and explain this because she experienced it firsthand as well. Let me close the piece the way she closes the piece. A perfect illustration was the way Ms. Omar and her allies were able to turn a House resolution condemning her anti-Semitism into a garbled intersectional rant in which Muslims emerged as the most vulnerable majority, or excuse me, minority in the league table of victimhood. 
As for me, I eventually unlearned my hatred of Jews, Zionists, and Israel. As an asylum seeker turned student turned politician in Holland, I was exposed to a complex set of circumstances that led me to question my own prejudices. Perhaps I didn't stay in the Islamic, Islamist fold long enough for the indoctrination to stick. Perhaps my falling out with my parents and extended family after I left, left home led me to a wider reappraisal of my youthful beliefs, beliefs. Perhaps it was my loss of religious faith. In any event, I am living proof that one can be a Somali, raised in an anti-Semite indoctrinated as an anti-Zionist, and still overcome all of this to appreciate the unique culture of Judaism and the extraordinary achievement of the State of Israel. I, if I can make that leap, so perhaps can Ms. Omar. Yet that is not really the issue at stake, for she and I are two, only two individuals. The real question is, what, if anything, can be done to check the advance of the mass movement that is Muslim anti-Semitism? Absent a worldwide Muslim reformation, followed by an Islamic enlightenment, I am not sure I know. So there, there it is. I and Hersi Ali. I'm glad a previous caller brought that up because she's she's been a fantastic spokesperson uh, on the, this issue. She's with the Hoover Institution for a long, long time, and but but her personal story is really has never been told quite the way she just did. She essentially said, "I was Ilhan Omar. I evolved. Ilhan Omar has not." And the sad thing is, of the two of them, which of them has power now? The answer is Omar, and that's dangerous. Thanks again to the caller. I can't remember who it was who brought that up about Ali and uh, that, that comparison, but it was fantastic. We'll be right back. All right, final segment of the broadcast for this Tuesday morning. It's been one topic really uh, all day, and, uh, and it's going to continue to be this way until the media starts treating this subject fairly and until Nancy Pelosi abandons her ridiculous idea of a of a condemnation, an official congressional rebuke of the tweets of the president who simply tweeted back in kind some of the uh, insulting language that has been hurled at him daily, daily, since A, he ran for office, B, won the election, C, was inaugurated, and D, since they started the ridiculous collusion witch hunt against him. He has been called everything but a human being by everybody on the left. He fires back and, oh my God, this is unconscionable. No, no, we're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna defend the president. We're gonna defend the president if it's the right thing to do, and it is in this case. Esther in Cleveland. Go ahead, Esther. Thanks. You mentioned slander earlier. I have a few quick audios of slander and then one non-slander. About a year ago on Medved, there was a caller who said, Christians, all Christians are racist. Second one, it was just about a week ago, I think it was Dennis Prager, another caller said, all whites are white nationalists. An audio that can be traced should be, uh, it's from Omar, uh, Omar, I think on a um, public forum or something, she said, Obama is human, the other is not. I did and not then, hear that one. That, that's an interesting one. That, that goes beyond, you know, talking about racism. That's, that's questioning literally the humanity of, of people who are not Obama. That's, you know, if Donald Trump were to make a statement like that, and I don't have it in front of me, so I can't, you know, verify the authenticity of what Esther just said. But if, if uh, Donald Trump were to make a statement about that, that the, his side is human and the other side you can't say that about, he would be accused of racism because he would be comparing human beings to animals, et cetera, et cetera. So. Uh, we'll have to look that one up. Thanks for the call. Great conversation with Kurt Schlichter. Appreciate you being here and being a part of the uh, uh, the chat today. Continue to fight in support of our president and in support of fairness in the public square. Back tomorrow. Mike Gallagher's next. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.